Well, if you are new or fairly new to East White Oak, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because we're going to be talking about the vision of East White Oak Bible Church. If you have been here for a long time, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because you will be able to renew your understanding of the vision of East White Oak Bible Church. Uh, We're going to be looking at something that I think could literally be preached every three months and never get old or never lose its impact. It's a message, like all messages from the Bible, that deserves to be embraced rather than to be under, merely understood. It's, it's one thing to understand it, it's another thing actually to live it out. And my goal this morning is that you not only understand the vision for our church, but that you begin to embrace the living of it out. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 this morning because we're going to be looking at the first church and then seeing how the first church functioned and see how East White Oak functions in some of those same arenas. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 is where we will be this morning and you'll notice that we will go to various spots in this section of scripture as we make our way through the message. For now, I'd like to ask if you would stand so that we can read the scripture, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Uh, You'll remember back when we were doing our studies in Ezra and Nehemiah, the people stood while Ezra read the scriptures, and um, so that's kind of how we're doing it, just as a way to say, yeah, we're listening, God, we're listening to you. Uh, Ezra's people did it in a rainstorm, and he did it for four hours, We won't be doing that this morning, okay? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Please have a seat. O God, we ask you now that we may not merely understand, but embrace the principles and the truths that are found in here, as we seek to fulfill the vision of the church and specifically the vision of East White Oak Bible Church. In Jesus' name, amen. If you walk into our foyer and you're paying attention, you'll see that our focus is right there in the foyer, seeking to be worshipers maturing in Christ, the focus of our church. You will notice that this is true at the very outset of Acts chapter 2, 42, that they devoted themselves. The word devotion has at its core the act of worship. This worship expands, you see it in verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. This is a real deal done by real people doing greater works than the works of Jesus that Jesus promised uh, that the apostles would do. Uh, in John chapter 14. 
And then look down at verse 47, you see this worship again. So they start with worship and they kind of continue in their, some of their growth stuff. And then verse 47, it results once again, we come back around to praising God. This worship, it should be the focus of the believer's life, seeking to be worshipers. East White Oak Bible Church has this same ambition, that we grow as worshipers of the true and living God. Now, it's important for us to understand that the phrase seeking to be is a humble statement. We are not there yet. We are not proclaiming today that we've arrived, but rather we are forward focused to aspire that we would be worshipers more and more of the true and living God. It is what we together strive to be, worshipers. Now, this doesn't just mean coming to church on a Sunday morning. It means that all of life is an act of worship. And this is gonna involve the who, that is who we are worshiping, and what is the goal of our worship. So that's the what, the who and the what. Let's think for about, about that for a minute. The who is about God. Jesus said the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. All of life then, becomes an act of worship, that you aren't just thinking about life in compartments, but you're thinking about your life in relation to how does this impact my worship of God? How can this be an act of worship of God? Psalm 63, I will bless you as long as I live. My soul clings to you. My flesh faints for you. I've looked upon you, beholding your power and glory. Your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. First Chronicles 16, 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. What this means is that our lives are not the building of our own kingdoms, but rather our lives are acts of worship of God and for the glory of his kingdom the declaration of God's worth. This is why we don't use the word worship as a word to replace music. Music is a part of worship, but it is not interchangeable with it. Worship is way more encompassing than simply the singing of praise songs. So that's the, the who of worship, we're worshiping God, and the what, seeking to be worshipers, the next phrase, maturing in Christ. Our destination is maturity in Christ, with Christ as our head. Colossians 1, verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Our ambition is to be such great worshipers 
that we can present ourselves to God as a church someday when Jesus comes in his kingdom, we can present, here's East White Oak. We can say, by God's grace, mature in Christ. That'd be a beautiful thing. Hebrews chapter five, solid food is for the mature. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, Hebrews 6, and go on to maturity. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, as we've received Christ as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith as you've been taught. Psalm 92, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. We're growing to maturity in Christ. Planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God, the psalmist says. They still bear fruit in old age, to which I am increasingly say amen and amen. They are ever full of sap and green. What is it that gets us up in the morning and keeps us going and growing? It's that, oh, I long to be like my Savior, my Master, Jesus. This is our focus, seeking to be worshipers, maturing in Christ. Now, there are three vital signs that measure our focus. Just like uh, when you go to the doctor for a physical, they will take some vital signs, your pulse or your blood pressure. And those are ways that they can measure how you're doing. Well, there's ways that we are measuring how we're doing it, seeking to be worshipers maturing in Christ. These three vital signs are rooted in scripture, first of all, rooted in scripture. Notice what it says in verse 42, very first thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The key word that you might wanna keep in mind here is the word in, I-N, taking in the word of God. It's like Psalm one, the very first Psalm, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. It doesn't wither. Leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. This is authority here, friends. Not opinion. We're 2024 is an election year. Do you imagine that there's gonna be a few opinions spouted about in this coming year? (laughs) Yeah, there'll be lots of opinions about a lot of things, right? Aren't you glad for an authority for the church? Not an authoritarian word, an authoritative word. The written word of God. The scriptures, the Bible, the way we measure how we're doing as worshipers maturing in Christ is how rooted in scripture are we? In church history, when the devotion to the word of God stalled, the church died. Rooted in scripture means then that we grow in our real use of the Bible. We don't just say it's authoritative, we actually use it. We grow in a working knowledge of the Bible's events and persons and themes. 
One of the reasons why I did the fall series in Ezra and the post-exilic writers was because I noticed that this is pretty much of a gap in many believers' understanding of Scripture. And so we did a series on it. Now, the larger issue was to be able to pray for revival, amen? There's a very practical thing there. But we also want to grow in our knowledge of Scripture. We grow in our knowledge of Scripture so that we can clarify Christian beliefs from current worldviews and philosophies. We can smell out error by our understanding of the genuine. We grow in how to explain the way of salvation using Scripture. You know, just a little while ago, we, I was, uh, this was actually a little over a year ago, I was interviewing a fellow for our youth pastor position, and one of the questions that I asked him was, uh, can you explain to me how a person can become a Christian? And he couldn't explain to me how a person could become a Christian. Rooted in Scripture in a way that we all can very clearly explain to someone else how they can know that they have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Seems to me to be rooted in Scripture, we should be able to recall from memory verses of Scripture and explain why those verses are important. You know, we do that with our children in Awana Club and in our children's Bible fellowships. We ask them to memorize Scripture. How are you doing at that? How about you? When was the last time you took a, 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 a section of Scripture, a verse of Scripture, and said, I'm going to commit that to memory? We'll learn how to do Bible study. To be rooted in Scripture means that we will look to the Bible for guidance through life on issues like parenting and marriage and money management. We'll be able to identify some key doctrines of the faith and grow in our appreciation of them. It means a meaningful devotional time in the Word of God and prayer. That's why we have that reading through the Bible that we do each year in different ways. By the way, I'm enjoying this year's uh, scripture reading. So, <clears throat> this is the first vital sign rooted in scripture. The second one is growing in Christ. Look what it says there in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's rooted in scripture. Then look. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These constitute our second vital sign of growing in Christ. If the key word and rooted in scripture was the word in, I-N, taking in the word of God, the key words here are with, with Christ, with one another, excuse me, with one another, and up to the Lord Jesus Christ, with and up. The fellowship is both horizontal with one another and vertical in our relationship with Jesus. We'll look specifically at the horizontal in a minute. But right now, let's think about that vertical fellowship. Look at the word together, verse 44. All who believed were together. Verse 46, day by day attending the temple together. The first church cultivated a communion, a relationship, a fellowship with her Lord. This wasn't just attending a service, it was engaging 
being a part, sensing the very purpose for which we are made. The word breaking of bread, while that has a horizontal dimension of human interaction, I think the primary focus here is vertical as well. Uh, It's the remembering of what our Lord Jesus did for us by celebrating the table of the Lord, which we're going to do in just a few moments. Very early on, the church was devoted to remembering Christ's death because that was the event that brought salvation to us all. And then it says there in verse 42, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It's interesting that the word the is there in front of the word prayers as well. Perhaps that suggests that some specific prayers were offered. You know, the Jews had specific times for prayer each day, and they had a specific order in which they prayed called the Amidah, and it suggests that they had a regular, consistent way of praying together. Indeed, all through the New Testament, you see this focus on prayer. And so in everything that we do, there ought to be a devotion to prayer. Acts chapter 1, all these were with one accord devoting themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 6, but we will devote ourselves to, the apost- to, the, to prayer and the ministry of the word. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Growing in Christ means that we are devoted to these things. The fellowship, vertical and horizontal, breaking of bread, remembering what the Lord Jesus did for us, and communication with God, praying. Now, growing in Christ represents becoming mature believers, growing in and through and toward Christ. It means a relationship with Christ. And that means that we continue a life of repentance and faith and submission. We're not just sorry for our sin or just even worse, sorry that we got caught. Instead, growing believers face, we face our own sinful hearts. We reject our pride of self-justification and we turn our passions toward the honor of Christ's name. Our faith isn't positive feelings or an agreement to facts, it's trusting in. It's relying on the person of Jesus Christ to save us from our sin and believing that his resurrection assures us of our own. We trust Jesus as a living person who engages our whole being, our intellect, our emotions, our will. Not only does growing in Christ mean a relationship with Christ, but growing in Christ means growing in our understanding that all of life has some submission involved in it. Now, this isn't something that's easy for us, is it? Because we don't like submission. We want to be able to say, here's my way, and God, what I'd like you to do is put your stamp of approval on my way. (laughs) Have you ever prayed that way? I know I have. But, but really, growing in Christ means that we say, God, your will be done. In fact, all of our human relationships, I believe, are God-designed to help us learn how submission 
extends to every part of our lives. So for example, we are called to submission in family relationships, aren't we? We're called to submit to church leadership. We're called to submit to people in our workplace or in our government. The growing disciple's life is a life of submission. That we really seek Christ, not just ask him for stuff, but that we really do love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then growing in Christ means that we are growing deeper in our understanding of our union with Christ and just how much he loves us. The great illustrations of the New Testament speak of our union with Christ. Think of it. Our relationship with Christ is illustrated in the New Testament as a building with a foundation. You can't separate the building from the foundation, just like you can't separate the life of the church from Christ or the life of the individual believer from Christ. It's illustrated by the relationship of a wife to a husband. You can't have a husband without a wife or a wife without a husband. A living being to its food. Gotta have food. We gotta have Christ. A vine to its branches. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. You can't have branches apart from a vine. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do, anybody wanna say you can do? Nothing. Some of you know that scripture. Good for memorizing it. A head with a body. Christ is the head of his body, the church. You see that union with Christ? These things help us understand the need to comprehend our complete identity in Christ. We're crucified with him. We have died with him. We are buried with him. We are made alive with him. We are raised with him. And one day, we will appear with him in glory. The third vital sign is making disciples. The making of more disciples is a measuring stick of the reality of our worship. We are receiving a commission from Jesus. Do you see it there in verse 47, the last sentence? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Believers were together, they had things in common, and the Lord added together those being saved that worship and fellowship done rightly produce evangelism. Jesus left us with a commission, go and make disciples of the nations. He told us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And we have to recall when Jesus called his disciples in Matthew chapter four, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Making disciples means that a believer's ambition is changed. The ambition is now to glorify God by making disciples. This means that making disciples forms an essential part of the believer's life. It goes beyond knowing, it, it extends to doing, actually sharing our faith. And to do that, there's a couple of very practical things you gotta have, first of all, you should be able to share your own story succinctly. Your story of how you came to know Christ. You should be able to share that with others with joy. 
And then it also requires the ability to use some tool of sharing the good news with others. And we got several of those at East White Oak and we have lots of opportunities to be able to learn and grow in that. Nobody can do evangelism alone. It requires the ability to mentor others and discern in whom to invest one's life. We need deliberate and purposeful relationships with people that don't know Jesus. And that's something that we really work on and try to point out how we can do that uh, last couple of years, particularly with our neighbors. But making disciples also means that we bear fruit in our own lives of maturity, don't, doesn't it? So we grow in our decision making and being able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, uh, submitting to the Lordship of Christ, growing in not being fault-finding, arrogant, or holier than thou, but instead a life that exhibits grace to others. A grace-filled life recognizes that people who don't know Jesus aren't gonna act like Jesus. <laughs> so rather than being condemning of people that don't know Christ for their behaviors, we look at them as Jesus did, with compassion, like sheep not having a shepherd. We think of others first and don't make personal preferences the measure of our fellowship. And we have a world perspective, not just a local one. We do have a local one, but not just a local one. We have a world perspective and a concern for the poor. So look at what happened there at the end. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So these are our three vital signs rooted in Scripture, growing in Christ, and making disciples. Now, you might ask the question at this point, now, how is it that East White Oak does that? How, what kinds of things do I get engaged in in order to be that worshiper maturing in Christ with the vital signs of rooted in Scripture, growing in Christ, and making disciples? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked the question. We have three pathways. Three ways that get us from where we're at to where God wants us to be. We believe that the first church had these three pathways to maturity. Notice that phrase together in verse 44 and 46. We should not think of Christianity as an individual thing. Too easy for us to do that, isn't it? It is rather a corporate thing that we do life together. Let's not rush past that point. Biblical Christianity is relational. It says day by day, attending the temple together, verse 46. Not just hit and miss. In fact, things were so exciting that nobody wanted to miss a thing. Now, let me ask you this question. Has it ever occurred to you, and we've got a, we got a weather thing coming up on Monday night and Tuesday, right? And it's supposed to have, you know, a gajillion inches of snow, and we'll probably get half an inch, and they'll go, oh, well, I don't know what happened, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? I'm not a weather predictor. But has it ever occurred to you on those nights when it happens on a Saturday night or early Sunday morning and you get a lot of snow, has it ever occurred to you this thought, oh good, we don't have to go to church? Well, that's exactly the opposite of what was happening in the first church. They couldn't wait to get together again. Why? 
Was it because of the amazing music and the sound and light show? The brilliance of the preaching and teaching? Was it the incredible programs that were being offered to people of all ages? No. It was this simple fact that Jesus had died for their sins, he rose from the dead, and he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they could not get over that truth. And so we have these three pathways. What we do together right now, Sunday worship, what we do in smaller groups of 30 to 70 people, Bible fellowships, and then what we do in small groups. This is how the first church was organized. These three pathways. Let's look at them in turn. First, Sunday worship. And by the way, I'm gonna share some statistics from 2023 with you about how East White Oak is doing on this. These are not things that are that important, really. It's just to give you a little bit of the state of the church, okay? To give you a little sense of where we're at as a fellowship. What's more important is the principles that are following the Acts chapter two church. What we do at weekly Sunday worship is what the first church initially was doing every day. Large group worship, meeting in the temple area. Thousands of people gathered there, okay? And this is something that we're doing right now of being able to worship the Lord together in the company of his people. It's beautiful. Over this, just a couple of things to share with you. 2022 compared to 2021, our worship attendance was up 9.3%. In the past year, it was up 3.3% compared to last year. And we're grateful for that growth. But understand, we don't make numerical growth the measure of our worship, we make doing the right things the important thing, and we leave the results with the Lord. And we're grateful to be able to see that God is welcoming more and more people to our fellowship. But we long to be worshipers, maturing in Christ. Now, in order to understand a little bit about Bible fellowships, I need to take you to the city of Pompeii. Now, some of you think, what, Pompeii? That was kind of a pagan, awful city, wasn't it? Yes, it was. But it was destroyed by an earthquake in the first century, which meant that it was left intact. This is a street on Pompeii that is virtually unchanged other than the fact that the buildings have no roofs. From the first century, it's an amazing city. Uh, here's an, a building that was just left intact, okay? Um, and this is the inside of that building. You can see lots of people could fit in that building, right? So many of the homes were small enough that you had small groups meeting, but there were some that were larger where you could get 70 to 120 people meeting in that home. The same kind of thing was true in the first church in Jerusalem. This is a model of the first century uh, city of Jerusalem. You see that there's big homes there? There's small homes there. And when the Bible talks about people that were meeting in homes, verse 46, breaking bread in their homes, 
you'll see that all through the Bible. For example, there's, uh, well, there's just a bunch of them. They're talking about both the Bible fellowship size group and small groups. It's a beautiful thing. Now, during Bible fellowships, let's talk about those for just a second. We're the body of Christ in a medium-sized group setting of 30 to 120 in size. Uh, This is because each person benefits from a larger community. And it's where life issues get connected to the scriptures. It's where each person needs to know that they matter and are known. You can be completely anonymous in this room. In a Bible fellowship, that, doesn't, that, that won't last very long where that happens. Bible fellowships were important to the Lord Jesus. He had a group of 70 that he sent them on mission. The excellence of Bible teaching is important to our soul's health. And so it's not just important that you hear from one teacher, but from several And the sense of group mission in a Bible fellowship leads some of these groups to meet together. And so in this past year, our ABF, our Adult Bible Fellowship participation was up 4%, for which we give great thanks to God. More people are engaging in Bible fellowship, seeing that they're an important pathway to discipleship. What is it that some of our uh, Bible fellowships are doing right now? Well, you see them right there. They're studying things like 2 Samuel, the New Testament use of the Old Testament. Uh, Two different groups are studying Ecclesiastes. There's one studying Zechariah, one Hebrews, and one the Gospel of John. I'd encourage you, if you haven't been a part of a Bible fellowship, that you begin by just joining one and seeing how you can see that that is an actual pathway to becoming a worshiper, maturing in Christ. And then... Let's look at the third one of small groups. You know that there is a depth of knowing only achievable in smaller gatherings. I don't know if it's true for you. I think it is. Life can get messy. Anybody say, yeah, it gets messy. Uh, I don't have it all together. I'm hurting. Where can I go to be authentic and open about the messes in my life. Well, that's usually reserved for our closest relationships, isn't it? You're not gonna stand here and group this size and say, let me tell you all the problems of my life. But in a small group, there is the freedom and the welcome for sharing the joys and struggles and sorrows of life. And to do that with other believers, You know, it should be, this should be the experience of every Christ follower. And my heart aches when there are people who feel that they have no place to go with their troubles. In small groups, we're the body of Christ. In a small group size setting. And that was important in the early church. And even in Jesus' ministry, you remember he called 12 that they might be with him. The struggles of life can't be overcome alone. The mission to make disciples cannot be accomplished alone. The small group is a wonderful ministry to the believer. The community that can happen in small groups is unmatched. And we have a lot of different small groups here at East White Oak. In fact, 
In 2023, we had 33 of them. Traditional groups, support groups, mentoring groups. There were groups that met as uh, co-ed groups. There were single groups, cross-generational groups, stage-of-life groups. There were Bible study small groups that met during weekdays, during evenings, many with childcare. We began a pure desire small group for men and for women following biblical principles to help us live in freedom from unwanted sexual behavior. And all of our ministries, men's and women's ministries in particular, plan events in such a way that push people, that encourage people, push is a wrong word, encourage people into these three pathways of our worship service, of Bible fellowships, and of small groups. And so this year we had our small group roster went up by 3%. 32 more people are in small groups this year than in the previous year. We're thankful for that. Not only that, but these Bible fellowships and small groups are also engaged in by our youth ministry and our children's ministry. So, 72% of worshipers are involved in an ABF. 68% of worship attenders are involved in small groups. 44% of worship attenders are in some way involved on Sunday morning in service. And we have 79 adult leaders in our youth and children's pathways. Isn't that wonderful? We have 77 leaders in our adult pathways. So what that means is that there are lots of people who have made it their passion to welcome you, no matter your age, whether you're a child or a teen or an adult, to engage in our pathways of discipleship. It's a beautiful thing. I just want to encourage you. You know, the mission of the small group is to make disciples. So small groups aren't static. There's going to be a lifespan to a small group. Hopefully, small groups invite other people to join them until they need to divide into two small groups, having become a training ground for creating new leadership. We need to avoid the feeling of being so comfortable in our own small group that our sense of mission to make disciples gets lost, and we're unwilling to add more to our group or to multiply groups by dividing into two small groups. You know, everybody here is welcome to join more than one small group, but everybody should belong to at least one because knowing, being known, and being on mission for God happens in small groups like in nowhere else. Now there's a lot of small group options that are gonna be coming up here in January as groups begin meeting again after Christmas break. There's the small groups for, for couples and singles. There's stage of life small groups. There's women's small groups. There's those pure desire small groups. Regardless of what group might fit you best, I'd encourage you to consider in 2024, if you haven't been a part of a small group, to join one. You know, you might ask, what's your purpose in providing all these numbers? Well, it's to show the spirit of how many people are engaged already here at East White Oak and that everybody is welcome to join in, you're welcome. The water is fine. <laughs> and so I'll leave you with this last one. Um, you know, we had a, uh, in 2022, we had 22% of people involved in all three pathways, 
regularly. Our goal is 28%. It's not, you know, we don't, we don't make goals with this, of that kind of basis very often, but it was just a way for us to say, hey, we're really going to try to urge people to be engaged in this. And in 2023, we didn't make the goal, but we got some progress. 26% are now involved. And by God's grace, as we point people to these pathways and they see that they're really helping them become better worshipers, maturing in Christ, we'll see even more people involved in all three of those things. You know, our newsletter, we've changed how we do it. It used to be that our newsletter was kind of just churchy information. And now we've become much more focused about our newsletter being about our focus about our vital signs, and about our pathways. And so, for example, we've had an Oakleaf just focused on Sunday worship and how to be a better Sunday worshiper. We've had an Oakleaf on Bible fellowships and how important they are. We've had an Oakleaf on small group stories, people who have seen their small groups making a big difference in their lives. If you're interested in, a, in attending a, an adult Bible fellowship, we actually can bring can give you a buddy to meet you for coffee that morning at church and to show you where the class meets and to introduce you around. Please contact us if you're interested in that. And the Welcome Center volunteers are always prepared to answer any questions from people about joining ABFs or small groups. I'll give you one more slide on statistics. Uh, We welcomed 94 identified guests in 2023. That means people who actually indicated to us, here's my name, I'm a guest here at our church. We, of course, had many more guests than that. Many people do not identify themselves. But of those 94, nine of those first-time guests became members of East White Oak here in the past year, which is a great thing. We had 25 people that were baptized. We had 24 people join our church in membership and five people, who, five uh, children that were dedicated to the Lord. Uh, we share that only to say that these are ways that are indicative that God is alive here in your church. And let's make 2024 a place where we all grow together in worship of our almighty God, seeking to be worshipers, maturing in Christ. If you're in the habit of taking a picture of a slide, get your phone out and take a picture of this one because it summarizes the vision of East White Oak that fits in with Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. Our focus, seeking to be worshipers maturing in Christ. The vital signs by which we measure that, rooted in scripture, growing in Christ, making disciples. And our pathways to maturity, Sunday worship, Bible fellowships, and small groups. How can we experience the power of the first church? Well, we believe by a commitment to the principles by which the first church functioned. There's no need for us to wait for the Holy Spirit. He's already here. Jesus promised us the Spirit. He's already here indwelling his people. In fact, we might say that the Holy Spirit is the one who's waiting waiting for us to commit to these principles. Here at East White Oak, we are not event-driven. We are not program-driven. 
We are relationship driven because we're committed to growing relationships in the body with one another and with Christ. If you are new to us, we'd encourage you to get involved in a Bible fellowship in a small group. If you've been here for a long time, we encourage you, get involved in a Bible fellowship and a small group. Now, we've got all kinds of announcements that we have on Sundays about various programs and events, but don't let all those shout at the same volume, dear one. There's a lot of things you can do if you have margin in your life. But we've crafted our ministry so that you will grow in our focus and our vital signs by means of our pathways. We see this as a biblical way of doing things. Is it the only biblical way of doing things? No. But this is a course that our elders have charted for us. And I'd encourage you, give these pathways a try. We even try to give them the same language in our adult and youth and children's ministry so that we know that we have the same ministry for people from infant through adult. So we encourage you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. Awe came upon every soul. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let it be so with us. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, we long to be just like this first church in the way in which we function. Help us in our focus to be worshipers maturing in Christ. Help us to measure that by being rooted in Scripture and growing in Christ and making disciples. And help us through the pathways that we have of our Sunday worship and Bible fellowships and our small groups so to become a people for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.